Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight for us to come to you again with the Word of God here on this Thursday, July the 9th of 2020. And as always, it is a privilege and an honor to have all our listeners, all of those that are tuning in, in whatever part of the world that you find yourself. It is always a honor for us to study the Word of God together. It's always, especially now, as we see the days going by, prophecy being fulfilled, all the the madness that exists around the world. I mean, especially here in our nation right now, it is so, uh, I, I can't even put a word to it, but it's so important, for the lack of a better word, for us to gather, so necessary for us to gather and examine the word of God, because this is the hour. This is the generation that I believe that God is revealing the things that were sealed at one time from the book of Daniel. They're being revealed unto us today. And I think we're privileged, we're honored that God is revealing these things unto us. So I'm excited about today. This whole week we've been uh, studying from the Song of Solomon. And let me tell you something, it's been such an experience of the things that really uh maybe we've never really considered uh in that that are found prophecy that is found in the song of solomon and it's been such a revelation and such a a a powerful word that i believe has been going on this whole week so today we continue in our study of the word and we will continue to glean and see what god has for us it's always a pleasure to be here with the panel brother marty Brother Fernando and Brother Jeremiah to be able to uh, come together again and study the word of the Lord. And so, Brother Marty, I will leave it with you to share what God has placed in your heart as we study the word of God together. Well, praise the Lord. It's good to be back again. And we're going to continue, as Brother Jeremy said, on our studies of the Song of Solomon. The hidden prophecies in the Song of Solomon, known as the Song of All Songs. The the the, the gist of the book is the story of, of the king, the bridegroom, taking to himself a, a Gentile bride, uh, calling her a lily from amongst the thorns, a special group uh, made up of all the nations who once dwelt on the, uh, you know, up under the curse, um, in that she was she was not part of Israel and her promises, but Solomon reveals in these writings that that a king would take a bride from amongst the daughters of the thorns, as he calls them, the nations of the world, and and she's described as the lily, uh, pure and white, and then it begins to unfold and reveal to us basically the journey uh, of the bridegroom and the bride, and also. As we go on and begin to see these things, uh, like we've been discussing since Monday, uh, also how Israel herself, the daughters of Jerusalem, uh, would fall away. They would be separate from him, and his focus and attention would be to his 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 bride that he selects from the nations until an appointed time. And so we encourage you to go back and listen, uh, beginning with Monday's broadcast, uh, because this is now our fourth part. We'll be concluding tomorrow, Lord willing, uh, on the Song of Solomon. But we come to the fourth part, and there's a lot of information, a lot of keys to interpretation uh, in in what we're we're, uh, exploring here together. 
And so we encourage you to go back and review those things, but <clears throat> uh, because we, because <laughs> if we start to review from the beginning, it it, it just takes up uh, too much time at this point uh, as we've reached podcast four. So I encourage you to go back and listen if you can't follow uh, in in the fullness of what we're about to share today. Because I'll just put it out there, uh, you know, a simple key is to understand that what Paul, uh, Solomon is writing here by the Spirit of the Lord is a prophecy of the second coming of the Lord, of his first coming, his selection of a bride, his going away, his restoration of Israel, and his second coming to re retrieve his bride, to rescue both Israel and, and to rescue uh, his Gentile bride as well, so that the two will become one. But as you begin to read the poetic language, uh, we have been digging in there because it's they're, they're meant to be metaphors and allegories, things that describe and things that teach from those descriptions what it is that we need to learn. And so we've been seeing some pretty extraordinary things, and it, it, it brought us to the second chapter of the Song of Solomon, where we believe the Lord is revealing the unfolding plan of all history as it relates to Christ and his bride and the restoration of Israel. And so we left off yesterday uh, around verse 9 or 10, but we're going to begin today, uh, if Brother Jeremy will, uh, beginning with the the, uh, the ninth verse. And could you read all the way through verse 13, and that'll be our portion today. Brother Jeremy, in Jesus' name. Yes. Amen. My beloved is like a roe or a young heart. Behold, he standeth behind our wall. He looketh forth at the windows, showing himself through the lattice. My beloved spake and said unto me, Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. For, lo, the winter is past, the rain is over and gone. The flowers appear on the earth. The time of the singing of birds is come, and the voice of the turtle is heard in our land. The fig tree put it forth her green figs, and the vine with the tender grape give a good smell. Arise, my love, my fair one, and come away. Praise God. So this is what we'll be discussing today. There's some amazing things that are, that are being revealed there. Again, we encourage you to go back and listen to the first three podcasts, which will even add more weight to what we're going to share today. Before we get into the ninth verse, because that's where we're going to start from again, <clears throat> I want to briefly review verse 7. Because in verse 7, what we see there is this uh, this lovesick bride has transitioned from being someone that's completely disoriented and, and uh, disillusioned, uh, not knowing where her bridegroom has gone. Uh, to now in verse 7, she rises up and, and begins to declare to the daughters of Jerusalem several things. And as we said, chapter 2 is basically the unfolding of church history and the culminating with all the way through the millennium, really, <laughs> up to the millennium and the dawning of a new thousand years of peace upon the face of the earth. But we'll get into that in, in tomorrow's broadcast. But so what we're seeing here in verse 7 can you read verse 7, Brother Jeremy? Yes. I charge you, O ye daughters of Jerusalem, by the rose and by the hinds of the field, that you stir not up, nor awake my love, till he please. 
So there's so much there that we were looking at that is incredibly profound because, again, when you read verse 5 of this second chapter of the Song of Solomon, you find the bride in an absolutely lovesick position. And as we've talked about in the past, this is a revelation of how the, the bridegroom would go away. And so she's basically describing and, 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 uh, and, and lamenting that he's gone away. But as we dug deeper in that, we began to also see that she requests two things. She requests to, to, she says in verse five, stay me with flagons and comfort me with apples. And we discussed that at length yesterday. In her lovesick position, she begins to request two things, uh, three really. The word flagons indicates uh, dried raisin cakes and, uh, and wine along with apples. Uh, which uh, which she says will comfort her. So she says the the wine and the raisin cakes will sustain me and strengthen me and uphold me, and the apples will become my comfort. And again, go back and listen to the podcast. But as we we explored that, we we realized what was actually being revealed by Solomon is this lovesick bride will know exactly what to ask for. And we explored how is it that she knew what to ask for flagons of uh, flagons and apples what does that all be well we, we we talked about that being the request and the desire uh, for the wine for the outpouring of the spirit that would produce comfort and so we believe that this fifth verse is revealing and, and is and is a veiled reference to the 10-day period after Jesus goes to heaven before he leaves he tells the church that they need to tarry in Jerusalem until they be endued with power from on high. In other words, the promise of the Holy Spirit. And so it's that 10-day period that we think is being revealed here, for she's in absolute desperation. She, she's, she's missing her bridegroom, and she begins to cry out for the Spirit to come and, and begin to educate her, reveal to her um, the old, and as a result of the Old Testament being revealed by the Spirit, the apples appear. It becomes her own exclusive comfort. That's why she says, comfort me with apples. The apples representing the New Testament, representing the apostles that come from the original apple tree, which is uh, representative of the Messiah. Again, that might be confusing to you if you're just listening for the first time, but go back and listen to the first three podcasts. It'll make much more sense to you. Then we see in verse six that he actually did come. Well, on the day that, that, that it says in Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, <clears throat> there was a, a sound from heaven like a mighty rushing wind, and it came and filled the room where they were at, and the Spirit of God sat upon them all like, like tongues of fire. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to declare with other tongues, other languages, the great mysteries and glory of God. But we also talked about verse 6 where she says, His left hand is under my head, his right hand doth embrace me. She refers to her, her bridegroom who's not there as if he is there, in that his hand is under her left head, her I mean, his left hand is under her head, and his right hand is embracing her. She speaks of her experience now as it's so personal as to as as if as if having the bridegroom himself holding her. And so what we talked about yesterday and explored and and, and not at length, but we, we, we discussed it. You know, the relationship of the Spirit of God has always been intended to be sent into the church for one express purpose, and that is to reveal the Lord Jesus Christ. And also, like he told his disciples, that the Holy Spirit would not only comfort us and guide us, 
He would show us the Lord. He would show us the things that belong to the Lord. And he also said that the Holy Spirit would reveal to us the future or prophetic events, right? He will show you things to come. And that brings us to verse 7, where we begin this brief review today, because after she's lovesick, now by verse 7, she's standing up, she's strengthened, and she begins to declare. She begins to speak. And and this is what we're talking about, uh, is the veiled reference to the outpouring of the Spirit, when the church goes from being just kind of a, a weak uh you know, lamenting bride for the for the Lord who's gone away to now one who has his presence with her, verse 6, and now is filled with him. She's no longer in a feeble state, but now standing in the fullness of what she is and is meant to be. And from this point on, history begins to unfold and things begin to be revealed to us. Notice she stands up in verse 7, what Brother Jeremy just read, and she gives a charge. She's now filled with the Spirit and she gives a charge and, and that word charge, like we talked about yesterday in the Hebrew, it's a sevenfold declaration. It's the repeating of an oath seven times. It's the declaration of an oath seven times. It represents the number seven. And so we see her now because seven is, is, is representative of the church. It's representative of a lot of things, but in, as she's functioning here, she is filled with the Spirit, and she, she proclaims, in 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 the sense in the sevenfold declaration so she is now a separate entity from the daughters of jerusalem who she begins to address right she says i charge you verse seven O daughters of jerusalem and so what is being revealed here and what 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 is being unveiled here is that this gentile bride that the king has chosen is now filled with the spirit she is speaking as the church that's what the sevenfold reference is there. I charge you the sevenfold oath. It is it is a reference or can be likened to or a metaphor of, of the church. Even in the book of Revelation, the church is presented as the seven churches of Asia, right? So we see comparing scripture with scripture. When the spirit of God comes, something unique happens. Up until this time, remember, the light of the world was Israel herself. But Israel rejected her Messiah, and that's what we're seeing here. He's gone away to heaven. He has selected a bride from amongst the nations. He pours out his spirit. She is now functioning as someone who is in intimate contact with her bridegroom by the spirit, and she becomes that sevenfold oath, if you will. She becomes her own separate and distinct body. She is the church of Jesus Christ at this point, and she is now speaking, the early church that is, at that time, to the daughters of Jerusalem. Because in effect, all who didn't become part of the church, that is the Jewish nation, they became the witnesses of the rise of this bride, of this church. And the transference of illumination, of relationship, of intimacy, left the daughters of Jerusalem and came to rest on this bride that was selected by the king in the Song of Solomon. Again, a veiled reference to the bridegroom and the church herself. And so what is she doing? She's charging the daughters of Jerusalem. And it's really interesting what she says in verse 8. She says, I charge you by the rose and by the hinds of the field. And this is very insightful because the word rose, again, looking at it in its in its purest meaning, it means prominence. 
So she's literally saying, uh, she says, I'm charging you by prominence. And, and it also means to be beautiful and glorious. It also means, <laughs> and, and you have to get into a Hebrew lexicon to see these things, but it, all, it means all of that. She's literally saying, I am charging you by the prominence that has come upon me, by the beauty and the glory that is now resting on me. I have become an arrayed army or an army that's arrayed in beauty and glory. That's what she's saying to, this, to the daughters of Jerusalem. I have become the army of my king. I have become the beautiful bride. I have become glorious. And I have become prominent. Israel is about to decrease in the not too many days after the church is filled with the Holy Spirit. It would only be about 40 years later. And the nation itself would be destroyed. The temple would be burnt in AD 70. And the nation would be scattered throughout uh, the world for about 2,000 years. And this is what's being revealed here, because when she stands up, she's declaring that that the light, the beauty, and the, the prominence or the preeminent expression of, of the king now in the earth has transferred to her. And she's declaring this to the daughters of Jerusalem. This is church history unfolding in this song. This is veiled poetic prophecy that we're seeing here. And when she says, by the rose, verse 7, that's literally what she's saying. I am declaring to you by the preeminence that's been given to me by the Holy Spirit, I have become an arrayed army, and, it, and, and I am beautiful and glorious. And if you dig even deeper, the word row has within it, as you, as you research it out, the strength of a sacrificial lamb. I hope you're paying attention out there, <laughs> because mm. this is all, all yeah. reference. In, in the in the word rose, this is what she's saying. This is what happened on the day of Pentecost. She became the 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 inhabit. She became inhabited by the spirit of the living God, and 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 therefore the authority to represent God in the earth, in His fullest expression, had been transferred from the daughters of Jerusalem and given to this Gentile bride. Now, uh, you know the the reference of the church made up of both Jew and Gentile, but the bride that has been selected by the king. And and while he's gone, she stands up full of the spirit and begins to declare that she is she is now the prominent one. She is now the beautiful one. She is now the glorious one. She is an arrayed army and she is doing this because of the strength of the sacrificial lamb. That's literally what it means. <laughs> it's pretty uh, cool to me, man. You see that—that's what the church is supposed to be like, right? I mean, and that's what it was in the early, in the early, the first church in the first century. You know, if 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 we had to rely on the church that we see in America today, for example, nobody in the world would get saved. Nobody. Right. Right. <laughs> But this early church, that's what she looked like. And that's the kind of church he's coming for. He's coming back for. A church that understands what her position is. She is a beautiful bride. She's a glorious church. She is the army of the Lord in the earth. And the strength by which she functions is a result of the sacrificial lamb. It is, it is the Lord who has bought her, who has paid for his banner over her as love. So she says two things. I am this now preeminent one. This is what she's declaring. It's really a sad thing, you know, what she's saying. But it is what she's saying. And so what's being revealed is the transference of the light from Israel to a new bride. 
because Israel rejected. The second thing she says, she says, my <clears throat> I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the rose, verse 7, and by the hinds of the field. That, that word again, the hinds of the field. It, it's a female doe. And, and again, uh, it, it literally means the strength of the sacrificial lamb. And that's what we were already saying. So she represents herself in two components, as the roe and as the hinds of the field. So she's literally saying, again, this is what has come to me. I function as the church. I'm full of the spirit. I speak by a sevenfold oath and authority. I am now the preeminent one, not you, daughters of Jerusalem. But I am, and my authority comes by way of the sacrificial ram. That's incredible, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Yeah. I think it is. And that's all right there, right? I mean, that's, that's what, and you look up these words and you study what we're talking to you about because that's what it's saying. And if you can see by the eyes of the Spirit, Solomon, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is revealing the history of the early church and what actually happened in the Spirit. As, mm-hmm. as the two became, one would go off into exile, losing her preeminence, losing her beauty, losing her glory. No longer that kingdom that was meant to be a kingdom of priests and, and kings. She lost that authority because of, of, of her rejection of her Messiah. And that's what the early church was proclaiming, is that this this spirit of the living God has been transferred to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords bride, and I am her. And so she speaks to her in that way. Because now what you're really witnessing in verse seven is is the is the next two thousand years are about to be unfolded. But it begins right at the beginning when when the spirit is outpoured in verse six. But in verse seven, prophecy is given. She declares her position, she declares her her description of what she looks like. Uh, she she declares herself as an army, and she declares her right to do so uh, as the hinds of the field through the sacrificial lamb. This has come to me as a result of the sacrifice of Calvary. That's what's being revealed. But, and Brother also, Marty, yes. Go ahead, go ahead, finish that thought. No, that's what's being revealed, and 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 as a result, this is what she is prophesying by the Spirit: is that Israel herself, the daughters of Jerusalem herself will now be plunged into a state of blindness and slumber as it relates to understanding the prophetic things of God until she says the last thing in verse 7, until he please. Go ahead, brother. Uh, yeah, I want to give a, a reference uh, verse in regards to that veiled revelation found in the Song of Solomon. In Matthew twenty-one forty-three. it says, Therefore say I unto you, and it says, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you mm. and given to a nation bringing forth the fruits thereof. This is that's exactly what, what, that's what you're talking about here that took place um, with the church in Jerusalem or, 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 the, or, or, or the Jews, right? It, it, yeah. Something took place and Jesus prophesied to his people what would take place. And, and, and it's incredible that we find that hidden revelation. Uh, in the Song of Solomon. And again, when people read it and they read like rows and deers and hinds and all that stuff, uh, you, unless you understand the, the, the poetic prophecy, because that's really what it is, it's, it's prophecy revealed through poetry. It's incredible. 
and and the metaphor again the the descriptive light and and then the allegory what we're to learn from it can only be truly uh, appreciated as the spirit of god by his by his grace and comfort reveals it to us but it's being revealed now right i mean this is what we're talking about solomon is revealing in verse six that the outpouring would occur verse seven the transference of anointing like brother uh, fernando was just reading excellent scripture matthew 21 uh, where jesus prophesied that that indeed a new nation would be born it would be taken from them and given to a nation that would bring forth the fruit and that's actually what we're seeing here as she as she proclaims her new authority to the daughters of Jerusalem. And when she goes on to, to further say that you stir not up nor awaken love until he pleads, it's incredible what's being revealed there because the word stir not up, what she's telling the daughters of Jerusalem in verse seven is you are not going to be opening, you will not be able to open your eyes, stir not up. That literally means open not your eyes. And then uh, nor awake uh, my love or, or love which means to become awake. So she's literally saying you're not going to be able to open your eyes and you will not be fully awake and have your eyes open until he pleases. So it's a prophecy of the of the last 2,000 years and what would happen to the daughters of Jerusalem. In essence, they would wander after having their temple burnt to the ground in A.D. 70 and would be scattered to the four corners of the earth because she rejected him. That new nation that Brother uh, Fernando was just reading about that, that the Lord prophesied now becomes this bride. She is the one invested with the light, the prominence, the glory, the beauty. She is the army of the Lord until he pleads. Because we will reach the point where our destiny and our mission has been fulfilled. And he must turn his attention back to his his covenant people. He's never broken his covenant with them. He's never said that he would ever divorce himself from them. He simply took away what should have been their glory, their beauty, their destiny. But they refused to accept him and the way by which they would become that. But in the end, as we have various and multitudes of scriptures describing us in the prophets and the Psalms, even in Moses, uh, his last discourse, telling them that they would be scattered to the four corners of the earth. And that's what the bride's revealing as the Spirit speaks through her to the daughters of Jerusalem, that you're not going to be able to see, and you really won't be fully awake and have your eyes open to see until he pleases, until he determines that the prophetic time has come. And that's what we looked at yesterday, the, the phrase, till he pleases. <clears throat> is is a reference or can be uh, uh, connected to the prophecy of Zechariah, right? Which is what we looked at yesterday in, in chapter 12, verse 10, which is where it says that he, speaking of the Lord, in that future time when he, he chooses to wake her up and open her eyes, is going to pour out the spirit of grace and supplication upon her. Can you read that, Brother Jeremy? Will you look at that again in Zechariah? Yes. Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10. That's the till he please part. <laughs> uh, are you there? Yeah. Here we go. It says, verse, verse 10. And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants, inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications. And they shall what will look. Be the, and what will be the result of that? 
that they shall look upon me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. Those words in that prophecy of Zechariah, chapter 12, verse 10, are the words that are being spoken here in the Song of Solomon. Because what's being told to the daughters of Jerusalem is that her eyes will be blinded and she will fall into a slumber as it relates to prophetic understanding. And she will not see until he please. Song of Solomon 2, verse 7. So we go over to Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10, and we see the till he please moment. Because what Brother Jeremy begins verse 10, uh, uh, reading there in verse 10 of, of chapter 12, said is that the Lord says, I will pour out, right, the spirit of grace and supplication. He pleases now. He specifically is speaking. The Lord himself saying, it's time. And so he pours out the spirit of grace and supplication upon Judah and, and, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the daughters of Jerusalem, basically. And then he says, uh, what? That they will look upon, right, him whom yes. they pierce. That's her yes. eyes be, being opened again. So we can we know by this prophetically connecting these things that it's for the final time, the end time, and because of that, verse seven encompasses thousands of years of history, and and that's that's the profound nature of what Solomon's revealing by the Spirit of God to us here, that the transference of the glory, the beauty, the authority, and all that stuff would go to that new nation that Brother uh, Fernando was quoting from Jesus's prophecy in Matthew twenty-one. To that new bride that was selected by the king and she would reveal by the spirit to the nation uh, that was there at the beginning the daughters of jerusalem that she was now going to be plunged into a state of blindness and slumber as it pertains to the word of god and the prophetic understanding of the scriptures and in essence would not see those things nor come alive or have her eyes open again until the king who went away determines that it's time for her eyes to be opened. And so when Brother Jeremy read in Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10, what we see there then is that time has arrived. He begins to pour out his spirit of grace and supplication because after 2,000 years wandering through the four corners of the world, she returned back to Israel and became a nation in 1948. But she's still blinded. She cannot see. That's why when it goes on to say, Brother Jeremy, there where you just read in verse 10 about bitterness. Can you read that part again about bitterness? Yes. Yes. It says, and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. Yes. So what happens at the opening of her eyes is she's going to realize that that the one that she rejected 2000 years ago who who became the groom <laughs> and the king over a completely different bride um she's going to be in bitterness for him but the word bitterness or the or the uh the the emotion of the bitterness is coupled with what's happening to her she's being surrounded by the end time nations of the world the antichrist beast system and 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 according to all her writings you know, for thousands of years, she's been looking for this Messiah, but he has not come. And what's being revealed there is this bitterness 
is going to be in the fact that she's going to realize when he pours out that spirit of grace and supplication that 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 my god <laughs> the messiah we've been looking for all along already came 2000 yeah. years ago <laughs> and that's yeah. why she begins to mourn for him and so uh, that's what it means if we can go back now to 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 Solomon's the song of Solomon chapter 2 what's being revealed is that he's going to pour out when he chooses, when he pleases. And I know, and, and as we've been going along, those of you who've been following us, that we have entered into that time frame. We have come to those those days. And events are going to unfold that will bring this about. Remember what the Lord told her in Matthew 23 when he left the temple. You will not see me here again, right? Until you cry, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. All that is wrapped up. In Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 7, Zechariah 12, verse 10, Matthew 21, and Matthew 23, those scriptures we've been reading. And I want to say something. It's a, it's a very key to note what we're saying, because after uh, this bride in verse 7 says, until he please, it's really a haunting statement if you think about it for the daughters of Jerusalem. Because we see, like we've been discussing, that the authority, the splendor, the beauty... It's come to rest on on this bride of the king who's gone away, and the daughters of Jerusalem have been left, uh, and and all they have left to look at now is to stare at this new bride of of the king. And and like we were just discussing, she's now prophetically pronounced a blindness and a slumber and an exile were going to take place uh, because she rejected the king. We know that now, you know, looking back in retrospect, till he please. The phrase understood uh, now by us, right, we're looking back at it, uh, is revealing this long period of time, like we were saying, and that's what we've just been discussing, pertaining to Israel, but her ultimate salvation will occur, I believe, in our time. We're seeing the events. Now, we come to verse 8 real quick. Um, this, it, it's, as if, it's as if verse 7 encompasses thousands of years and i believe the last two thousand years because verse eight begins can you read verse eight brother jeremy yes it says the voice of my beloved behold he cometh leaping upon the mountains skipping upon the hills amen so after she leaves that haunting phrase until he pleases you'll be blind and you will not be awake nor perceive who your love is and who the real Messiah is, we're then, it's almost like we're accelerated into the far-flung future because now the bride is saying, I hear the voice of my beloved. Now we're transported, I believe, to our time because the bride is declaring the voice of my beloved. This is in-time phraseology, man. This is, this is, we know from scripture that, that, that the the time that the voice of the bridegroom is going to be heard is in the final days, the end time, the midnight hour, right? But Jeremy, go over there, would you? Uh, Matthew 25, I think it is. Yes. And we we did a teaching, an eight-part series on, on on this teaching. Now, remember, we were talking about midnight, and and what this bride is saying in Song of Solomon now is the voice of my beloved. She hears his voice, and she says, "Behold, he cometh." Verse 8. Brother Jeremy, read Matthew 25, verse 6. Comparing Scripture with Scripture, we now know that what's yes. being declared in, in Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 8, is the midnight hour. 
Can you read verse 6 of chapter 25 of Matthew? Yes. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Amen. So that's why we're saying, um, you know, we're left with the haunting words, Israel, you'll remain blind. You you will not awaken and realize who your Messiah is, uh, is until he pleases. And then we we go to verse 8, and suddenly the bride is, is crying out. I hear his voice, and what she says she hears is, behold, he cometh. Right? Verse 8. Can you read verse 8 of Solomon 2, 8? Yes. The voice of my beloved, behold, he cometh leaping upon the mountains, skipping upon the hills. It's incredible, right? Can, do you see what I'm saying here? Verse 8 is now the declaration that the midnight hour has come. So that lets us know, those of you who can compare Scripture with Scripture led by the Spirit, that between verse 7 and verse 8 is a long period of time. That's what's being revealed here, is that thousands of years would go by. And then suddenly in verse 8, we have, we have a cry being made. He's coming. She hears his voice. She, she says, uh, you know, and that's why we went over to Matthew 25, because there it is where we, we know that when the bridegroom uh, voice goes forth and, and the message is he's coming, we know the midnight hour has come and he's on his way. And that's what we're hearing right now, really. But so she says this, she says, the voice of my beloved, she begins to hear the voice of the Lord. And that's what we're hearing now. See, I don't want to go through this too quickly, but it is the mark of the end-time bride. She hears the voice. Where? With her ears? No, in her heart. She hears mm. his voice. And, and, and then hearing his voice produces her message. Mm. Hearing the voice produces the message. Listen. The voice of my beloved is what she hears, and 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 what she hears is what he's coming, right? <laughs> right. Yes. yes. So I'm going to put it out there and say this: you will know the real bride in this hour by what she says, and what she says is one thing: he's coming. Mm -hmm. any, any thoughts? Any thoughts? I think that's what we've been saying for, I don't know, the past four or five months. That's really uh, the message we've been trying to put forth. Um, it's, it's the forgotten message in the church, uh, the, the coming of Jesus Christ, right? It's, yeah. it's, it's, so, it's so far removed from people's minds. You know, they don't, they don't know, you know, what, what to make of it when they listen to it anymore because it's no longer preached. But when, when the true bride of Christ hears it, you know, they're going to, from, from the bottom of their heart, it's going to be received. And they will make themselves ready to go out and meet him. So it's really a, a, a compilation, all these podcasts that we've done, of bringing forth yeah. that message. And, and, I, and I agree 100% with the statement that you made, that what mm -hmm. they hear is, is what they're going to declare. Oh, that's good. Yeah, because you can mm. we flip that to the other side, right? And 
what, what all these preachers are preaching that you don't hear nothing. <laughs> and so you make right. you wonder what, what voice are they listening to? <laughs> right, right. It's, right. it's, it's not, it's again, what's emphasized in verse eight is the vo- uh, why she hears the voice because she calls him my beloved again, right? She knows his voice. And, and, and it's to her who loves him in that way that he speaks. And what he's telling her is, I'm coming. Just like in the midnight hour, like we just read, Brother Jeremy just read in Matthew, right? That's what's being declared is he's coming, go out to meet him. Those who love him know uh, what he's saying. You're hearing it now. Maybe you've been sensing something and you stumbled onto one of these podcasts and realized what I've been sensing is his voice. And what's bearing witness with my heart is what's being said is he's coming. So now you know what you've been hearing and what you've been feeling, right? He's saying, that's what she begins to say. And that's going to be the identifying message of the true bride of Christ in this hour. She's going to be proclaiming, behold, he's coming. And and so that's what we see, this transition from verse 7 to verse 8 of Song of Solomon, chapter 2. 7 is the long history, really from verse 5 through 7, is the long history of the church up until the midnight hour. And at the midnight hour, um, the voice is heard, and the, and the message is, he's coming. So, what's, you know, Brother, what, Brother Fernando, what you just said, most people don't know what they're hearing. How did you say it? Uh Nowadays in the church, they don't know what they're hearing yeah. preached about the coming of yeah. the Lord. Right? They don't know. They, they, they. It hasn't been preached in, you know, just, where it's thunder from our pulpits. You know what I mean? Yeah. It hasn't been preached like that. So yeah. they, what? So they can't declare what they don't hear. That's good. That's right, brother. And you know, I, I was when you said that. The reason I brought asked you to repeat that was because um, this very precious uh, lady that 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 we know um she's been listening to to uh to some of the messages we've been doing on the instagram from from somewhere else in the world right and uh i, I don't want to get too specific but she she I, I a couple of weeks ago i was talking about the coming of the lord and i was challenging the people that had tuned in to understand that that the gospel story isn't about so that we can have this nice cushy existence in this life now. The truth of the matter is, is that 95% of the world, maybe even more than that now, lives in abject poverty and oppression. Mm-hmm. And even our brothers and sisters, most of them live under incredible poverty and, 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 and you know, they live hand to mouth, day to day. They scratch out a living. They're trying to take care of their kids, but most of the world is poor. Right. And, and so, <laughs> but but when you so but when you come to to the western side of of the globe and 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 people that are used to having all the the luxuries that life can have or even just a, a middle class existence and the message hasn't been being preached to them when I was talking to them about <laughs> a few weeks ago I was saying listen the gospel is about rescuing us from this world and bringing us into the kingdom of our of our dear Savior and He's coming. And you've got to ask yourself, am I ready for his coming? Well, the, 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 she'd never heard that. She'd never really considered wow. that. And so she, she became offended and, 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 and at the same time sad. And, and it got great. back to me 
because what was asked, uh, and and we lo- and I know she's just coming to the Lord, right? She's just starting to listen. It's really quite an amazing thing that she's been tuning in every every week. But but she she asked the question to the person who told me that. She said, "Is Brother Marty saying that the end of the world is coming?" <laughs> and and she said, she said, um, she said, but what about my grandson? He hasn't even lived his life yet. Or what about you know? My daughter, you know, who's just started her life and got married, and you know, is it fair that all this is going to come to an end? You know, because they've never right. heard it, they don't understand. You know, like you said, it's the tragic thing of of the church as those that fill the pews, those that are in the in the worship houses, and and those that 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 are casual Christians, they don't understand. I want to say. You know, because this beloved bride, I mean, all she wants is for him to come back. Yes. She doesn't want him to put his mission on pause so she can have a few more, you know, things she can experience in this world. No. It's always been about, right? I go to prepare a place and then I'll come back and get you. Oh, my goodness. I don't know, man. I mean, we could talk about that and really dig into that because. Go ahead, brother. But this is but this is the gospel that the preachers from America take all over the world to yeah. Central America, South America, Africa. We preach this gospel of 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 kingdom now, of prosperity here, and and you wonder why you know that's just an example you gave, brother. But that's really uh, the way many feel because that's the gospel that we preach that brings out no expectation or a hope in people to the point where not even the coming of the Lord is even preached in many circles today. And and that's yeah. why we are in the condition. That's why this, what we're speaking to many, you know, it's sad to say it's foreign to them. <laughs> it, it's foreign to, to their spiritual ears because that's not what they're listening. And this is the type of gospel that we are taking to the to those even to third world countries, <laughs> yeah. we're, we're taking yeah. to them a prosperity gospel. You know, as as one said, uh, I think I heard this story. I'm, I'm not sure if I heard it from Brother Fernando, but he said they asked somebody, "Do you ever get depressed here?" You know, he was in a third world country. He goes, "We don't got time to get depressed here, man. We're just trying to make <laughs> a living and and eat at right. least one meal." You know what I'm yeah. saying? But but yeah. this is what's spewing out from our country and what we should be declaring is really the coming of the Lord. It's preparing a people. That's what these podcasts uh, are also doing, is preparing a people for the coming of the Lord. And John, and John, the Apostle John would say this, for this hope uh, purifies us. <laughs> and this yeah. hour, what's going to purify us is that blessed hope that he's coming again. So what you're saying, brother, is right on target. It, it, it's uh, foreign the coming, the preaching of the coming of the Lord. Yeah, that's interesting because, you know, when we do these podcasts or, or you minister uh, in any any degree, uh, or if or if you have using the, the social media platforms to try and get the message out, you know when we record these things that, that the presence of God comes. And, and, and usually when we're done recording, we can feel, um, you know, the sense of, of what's just transpired as we record. And I said that to say this, 
that many times when we conclude these podcasts, I, I'm, I'm overcome with a sense of just how much of a deficit is really out there in understanding what is the true gospel of Jesus Christ. You can feel it. You can feel that the people haven't been taught by the shepherds. Like you're saying, Brother Jeremy, you can feel that they haven't even been given the most basic things, like pray, study, seek God. I mean, you know, it's like, what? (laughs) And so when you get into talking about the kinds of subjects that we're, we're, we're broaching here, um, it, it, it is like a foreign language. It's, it's, it's incredible. But it is the hope. See, our time, I was, I, was, I was in my meditations this morning, I was thinking of what Moses said when he said in his psalm, he said, you know, oh, Lord, teach us to number our days. Teach me to number my days, he said, that I may apply my heart unto wisdom. That I may apply my heart unto wisdom. That I may understand that my time here whether it ends with my very next breath or I should choose, I mean, not choose, I should live to be fortunate enough to live a, a, a good long life. Either way, it's like a vapor. It's like a mist. It's like a drop in the, in, in the ocean of water. I mean, it's, it's, it's so brief and yet it is so temporary in its, in its lasting effect in this life. He says, I need to set about applying my heart to the wisdom of God to really discover what it is that life is and, and what its ultimate purpose and destiny is, is all about. And, and, and we get so caught up in so many things and we are so inundated probably more than any generation in the history of the world, uh, especially in the West from all sides, our senses are being bombarded. The spirit of the age is, 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 has come, and and most, many of us, and, and all of us to some degree or another, are striving, especially within, within the economy of the church or the community of the church, we are striving to break free from, from, the, from the web or the, or the fog or the layers uh, of, that obscure my spiritual and my my most intimate vision and ability to perceive what reality truly is. Because what reality is, is not that which I see in front of me, that which is easily accessible by my five physical senses. True reality is that which is connected to the all-pervading voice of the Lord that is seeking to call me and urge me to something that is just beyond the veil, just beyond the wall, as she describes it in verse 9, right? He standeth uh, behind the wall, she says. He speaks of this barrier between her and her Lord, her king. It is that barrier that we experience on a daily basis. And it is why uh, the keys have been given to us in the scripture as to the process by which we can chip away at that by the empowering of the spirit who lives within our heart to, to move the curtain back, to remove the veil, to walk at a transcendent level by the spirit of God, empowered by him and having revealed to us through his word what truth and reality really is. And what the child of God is being called to, which is so far more great, marvelous, 
uh, splendiferous, whatever word you want to use, man, than the life that we're living right now. What we're being drawn to. It's as if he has left breadcrumbs on a trail. And with each one that we pick up, we receive nourishment and strength. But each crumb is leading us forward, so to speak. Each handful on purpose is drawing us to our heavenly Boaz. And, and the closer we get, the louder the voice becomes until we reach that glorious day where he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. You found me. <laughs> you made it home. And, and now enter into the kingdom prepared for you by my father since the foundation of the world. Hallelujah. <laughs> so, mm. that's, 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 that's what it's all about, right? So we must give ourselves uh, to, to these things to understand. That is, that is also another reason why he says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, especially as you see the day approaching. And then other places he says, and encourage ye one another with these words, right? We, we need each other. We need the fellowship. We need the depth of Christ. We need to be accountable to each other. These are all uh, tools given to us by the instruction of the Spirit and the Word to keep us, to make it through. It is a beautiful thing to the, in the eyes of, of the king when he knows that his bride, who has never met him, who has never seen him physically, the great miracle of the gospel is that it penetrates the psyche into the very right. depth of the hidden part, right? <laughs> and you're, what do you, <laughs> and when you know him, you begin to follow after something that you, you've never seen, and yet you've seen it. Praise the Lord. Well, brother Marty, I think yeah. I think we were talking about earlier why you know the message of his coming is so foreign to people today, to Christians today. What we're seeing in our televisions with the attack on the values of the that once uh, this nation had, we're seeing a picture of what took place in the church when yeah. when preachers begin to attack and deconstruct the Bible in its teachings at its very mm. core. So we're seeing what took place in the church now taking place in our society. Uh, there, there, there has been an attack on, on, on the preaching of Jesus Christ and his coming. Yes. Whether we want to realize it or not or admit it, that's exactly what has taken place in the church. The Apostle Paul went as far as to say they are enemies of the cross. They are enemies yes. of the gospel. They're, they're, they're wolves in sheep's clothing, you know. They're after filthy lucre. They're after their yeah. own desires. So that's why, you know, it, it's very difficult for people to really, really know what we're talking about, you know. And, and but, but, again, this is addressed to, to a church that will wake up and, and, and something supernatural will happen in her. She will begin to long for this. For his appearance, yeah. she will be. She will begin to long for for his comfort, right? She will begin to long for for his word. She will begin to long to be in his presence. So, it, you know, what are we saying? Uh, you know, we're going on a limb here and saying this is what needs to be preached and declared. Amen. This is what Jesus told his disciples. His last message, uh, what the angels told uh, Jesus' disciples as he was ascending back to the Father. 
that this same Jesus that you see leave will once will one, uh, come again one day. Yes. The message has not changed. You know, it's still the Amen. same. But something happened in the intermediate of those 2,000 years, right, as we're reading in the Song of Solomon, where something will begin to happen in, in the bride of Christ, and she will begin to, 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 to hear that message of his coming, and she will begin to long for his coming. Mm-hmm. Yes, and, and, and that's powerful. But man, there's so much you said there, you know, and, 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 and I, I pray the Lord allows us to explore those things. Because everything you said right there, when you were talking about she begins to long for him. Think of of the depth of that. And I don't, <laughs> what you're saying is, is what is what we're we're trying in multiple ways to express what we believe the scripture is revealing by the Spirit to us. It is that it is that component of spiritual quality that that is that is in in essence like a switch that will be flipped is what I hear you saying. At the precise time that she begins to hear his voice, he assists us in proper emotion. There's a difference between natural emotion and the depth of spiritual connection, which is that longing you're talking about. It is an undefinable reference point. We can't find it, but we sense it. That's why she says in verse 8, right, it's almost after the end of of the thousands of years we were just talking about of verse 7. We're now accelerated into the far future, which we believe is our time, verse 8, which is the midnight hour, because she hears the voice of my beloved. It's almost as if she's startled by it. It's almost Mm. because (laughs) it's like she's, right, it's like the voice. You know, it kind of has that feeling to it. It's the voice of him. That's the, it, it's like a, it's like it breaks into because remember the the parable that he gave that Brother Jeremy was just reading in Matthew twenty five indicates that they all slumbered and they all slept right, and then comes the voice. It's kind of what we see here in verse eight after she's she's busy about the business of being the new preeminent nation, the new prominent one, the new glorious one, the one filled with the Spirit. And that that seventh verse is all about history. It's all about thousands of years until the midnight hour. And so we know by other scriptures that once she reaches this point, it's, it's a distant time, but she comes alive to hearing the voice. And she knows him. She knows who he is. She loves him at that level. That's his voice. It's the voice of my beloved seems to almost have a a sense that there's multitudes of other voices being heard. But this one, she distinguishes and knows precisely who it is. And it's the midnight hour. And and that's that longing, you know, what you were referencing there, because she references the voice as my beloved. Right. It's that it's 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 that you know, thing that we don't have time to really dig into, but, but hearing the voice, she then begins to speak what the voice is telling her that he's coming. Mm. And, (laughs) and, and, and so she begins from that point on to reveal his intent. 
she she yeah. not only does she she hear that he's coming, but then she begins to tell us what he's coming to do. And and that's how we know that this verse eight is 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 two thousand years at least after verse seven, because of how she describes what he's coming to do. And and we're just getting into this message, and we've already gone over an hour and something, <laughs> so. I, I don't know how far we can go here because there's such extraordinary revelation here as we go on from here, but it happens quickly. Once she hears the voice, once she begins to declare the message, she then begins to reveal in her message, and I'm telling you this because this is what we're supposed to be declaring now. When she begins to hear that he's coming, she then begins to unfold what that means. She says he's coming, leaping on the mountains. And again, like I said, this is in time phraseology she's using. And and this is poetic language, and yet prophecy is hidden within the poetry. Brother Jeremy, can you read verse uh, se- uh, 9 of Revelation chapter 17, please? Revelation chapter 17, verse 9. Yes. It says, And here is the mind which hath wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. So there we go. Now, we're talking prophetically metaphoric language that Solomon's using here, but he's revealing prophetic events. It's at the midnight hour that she hears, according to Matthew 25, the voice of the bridegroom, right? It, it's, it's, it's what she declares in Second uh, uh, Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 8. I hear his voice, and what she hears is he's coming. So with all that and so much more, we understand that what's being referenced here is the time just before the second return of her king, the one who went away. So we know he's coming. And what she begins to reference right away is not only do I know he's coming, his voice has revealed this to me, but this is what he's coming to do. And so what we're having revealed here is what she's going to begin to declare is is the wrath of God that's coming upon a, a system that's, that's in existence. And that's why she first references the mountains. He cometh. The word cometh means what she, what she begins to declare is he's coming forth. Because the word cometh means to go forth. But but also when you look up what she begins to say there, why she says he cometh is because what's been revealed to her is also in that. And you can look it up in your Hebrew there, uh, in your app or whatever you guys have, or, or even you at home in your in your Strong's Concordance. And, and, and the word he cometh means not only to go forth, so she's saying he's coming forth from where he is, but he's going to befall, besiege, and come against the mountains. That's what the word leaping means. And it's going to come quickly now, she says, to spring upon the mountains. So she's literally saying, uh, behold, uh, the voice of my beloved, uh, behold, he's coming forth to befall the siege and come against and spring upon the mountains. That's what she's saying. (laughs) That's the... That's what she begins to preach. So what do we learn from that? That's why we went over to Revelation 17, verse 9. She references mountains. 
And it's quite possible what's being revealed here is the seven mountains that we've talked about. The seven heads are seven mountains, which the, the woman rides, right? It's the beast system. It's the Antichrist global system that she's referring to. So just from that, we can understand that she's there witnessing it and seeing it come together. This bride has is seeing it. She's she's in it. She's surrounded by it. Right. Do you see that? <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it's interesting because, you know, we're mixing, you know, we're seeing in beautiful poetry apocalyptic events, you know. <laughs> <laughs> in a nice way. Uh, in a nice way, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's exactly how the Lord intends to speak to us. Yes, he, he's revealing to us the things that are to come so that we can be prepared. You know, he, he's, he, he's not going to leave us unprepared. He left us his word. This is, this, is what, this is what Matthew 24 is all about. This is the revelation yeah, yeah. of it. You know? Praise God. Yeah. I like the way you said that. <laughs> <laughs> he's revealing in flowery poetry <laughs> the apocalypse. <laughs> That was great. <laughs> That's exactly what's going on here. If we could see know. by the spirit, you know. Yeah, man. That's cool. So <laughs> that's what she's saying. She hears the voice of her beloved. She knows Jesus is. She and that that's comforting to us because when she first announces that she hears his voice, that's a comfort to the end time church. He's not, like you said, left us without wisdom. And, and, and what's being revealed is the Spirit is going to speak to us that he's coming. And, and there's so much revealed there in, in that in what's wrapped up is also, like we said, what she says, behold, he coming. That's her message. That's what we're going to begin to hear more and more uh, from the true bride, from the true shepherds, from the true preachers, is that he's now coming forth and his particular uh, one of the particular reasons he's coming forth is he's going to befall, besiege, and to come against in a in a in a in a quick manner, represented by the word leaping on the mountains, on the mountains, the mountains uh, of of the beast system. You were going to say, brother, brother Marty. Also, that word leaping can also uh, mean with great force. Yes, that's right. And I think, that, yeah, so that's another way. To you know, to uh, yeah, with great force, and that gives a lot of meaning too to what what we we're talking about, what it reflects, the leaping and, the and, mountain, and it's incredible, right? Because that's what she's saying about him. He's coming. He's about to come against and spring upon with great force. First, the mountain, right? That's what she's saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the mountains that we were just read that you just read about, Brother Fernando was discussing, uh, it's the seven mountains. It's the beast system. So what are we being told? What's being revealed? Dig a little deeper. That there is a bride who has seen the system rise, who has seen the mountains come to be, because she's declaring he's coming to destroy these mountains, leap upon these mountains. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Go ahead, brother. What were you gonna say? That's no. It's, that's what it's and we have we have evidence of, of scripture in scripture of God always revealing these things first unto His people. You know, the the Apostle Paul wrote unto 
uh, the Thessalonians concerning the times and the seasons that they already know was taking place. They even saw it in, in their day. He said, for the spirit of iniquity does already work. Um, it was yeah. John. It was John whom the Lord revealed who the son of perdition, uh, to who the son of perdition was. Right. And, and, and yeah. he, he's a type of a people uh, that will g- get great revelation for he got the revelation that's found in the book of revelation. And, and he, he speaks of end time people who will also get this revelation. You know, yeah. and I believe that's what's happening right now. I, I believe that God, and, and I think Pastor mentioned it at the beginning of the podcast, that that this is reserved revelation for an end time generation that, that we're going to begin to hear and we are hearing. So, yeah. again, you know, you spoke about how the rabbis even went as far as to say that concerning the Song of Solomon, the revelation hidden in it wouldn't be understood until the end of time. That's exactly right? what they said. Yes. So uh-huh. think about it. Look what we're talking about, how we're seeing these end-time events and this beautiful poetry hidden in it, and, and, and we're seeing and, and we're being warned uh, uh, what the bride sees and what she sees coming, right? Yes, yes. That speaks and which... of us, the true bride of Christ. We are seeing this uh-huh. system rise before our very own eyes. All you have to do is turn on the television. Yeah, right. it's here. It is here, and 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 that's that's what we're seeing uh, here. Like you said, it, it, th- that she's declaring. It's very fascinating because it it really challenges, uh, you know, much of the end time eschatology, the study of last day things. Correct. Uh, Correct. That is pre- that is prominent in many of the major denominations of the world, and even in the hyper charismatic movement. And the arrogance of the American church that thinks that it is immune or or exempt from any suffering that 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 the rest of her brothers and sisters have experienced for two thousand years it's incredible they don't want to hear about it because the implications are strikingly sobering, frightening because what we're being told is that there's still a bride here, and the mountains are already established, and it is the voice that she hears saying, it's time, and I'm coming to destroy these mountains. So this implies that the system of the seven mountains, the mountains which represent the the global antichrist system, that globalist agenda that we're hearing about, like Brother Fernando was just saying, just turn on your TV, man, and pay attention, that she's here witnessing it. She's here witnessing it, and it's established. The mountains are established, and what she begins to declare and pronounce judgment by the Spirit of God upon it is my beloved has told me he's on his way now, and he's coming to spring forth, like Brother Jeremy said, uh, leaping with great force, great quickness. He's coming to destroy the mountains. He's coming to destroy the system. He's coming to bring it down. That's incredible. (laughs) Right? So much is being revealed. It's incredible because the global system like we said, it's made up of all the global ancient empires. That's what the beast system is in the last days. There's been seven attempts, really, uh, by global empires to, 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 to rule the world. All of them failed. Yet, for a time, they ruled the world of their day. The Bible predicts in the book of Revelation that all seven of them will be empowered by the, by the devil himself to rise up 
the system itself and collate into one final beast system. They finally succeed. The demonic powers, the unseen world, uh, is able to give expression to it and coalesce it around one leader, that wicked one that's coming, the Antichrist. And so what she is saying is that I'm still here, and I'm seeing it, and I'm going to see my, my Lord has told me he's coming to destroy it. That's why the language gets more, it begins to make more sense as we go along in, in, in these verses. Because he's coming to, to with great force upon the mountains. He's coming to destroy and skipping upon the hills. The word skipping literally means to gather your feet up like you're gathering your last breath to die. You know, I mean, that's, that's literally what that means. So she's also revealing not only is he coming to destroy the, the, the system, but he's coming skipping on the hills. And when you actually research those words, she's also revealing it's a twofold thing he's going to do. He's going to destroy the mountains. He's going to destroy the system. He's going to destroy the Antichrist, but he's also coming to skip upon the hills. That is to bring absolute and final death and conclusion to the hills. And the hills that are referenced there in the Hebrew are the hills of idolatry, of idols, the evil places and the evil practices of the occult. Which is very interesting, right? Because the very, the very thing that is required to, uh, for uh, to 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 uh, to be a participant in the beast system, is idol, right? Is the idol that they make, right? He 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 makes an image to the beast. In, yeah. in the in the book of Revelation, right? So we see that when when it says skipping on the hills, it literally means I'm going to bring death to that idol that that the idols that were made during this time. That's what's being revealed in Revelation chapter 13. If you if you go and look at it, uh, whoever's listening, in Revelation 13, verse 11 through 8, once the beast system is established, a false ecumenical pseudo-spirituality coalesces, and then and then uh, a false prophet that leads it all uh, has, has the world to make an idol unto the beast and worship it. That every it appears that every single home uh, will have a have something uh, representing him or take a mark or have his mark tattooed on you or whatever they goes on to say there right, but but there's there's an image that's made to the beast and the image has the power to speak, and so every single person will be connected. I believe it's some form of artificial intelligence, but that's for another show, <laughs> another podcast. <laughs> but, yeah. All right. I, I don't know how much our audience can take by this point. You know, so uh, this is getting heavy, right? So uh, anyway, so skipping on the hills, skipping the idea of gathering your feet like one who dies. He's going to bring, bring destruction to the evil places of idolatry, the places of the occult practices of the world. It's flourishing now. You know, in many powerful and dark secret places of this world amongst the elite, man. I mean... <laughs> But also among the rebellious people of the world, the false church is riddled with idolatry. That's what she's saying he's coming to destroy. The compromise, the falling away church, the uh, the, the little hills, it, it, it represents that spirit of, of the occult and the antichrist image. Both is what she's revealing. That's what she hears. And that's what he's coming to do, put an end to it. We're witnessing, uh, <laughs> how do I say this? And I don't want to scare anybody, 
But I mean, the, the system is already in place. The system is in place and it's about to be fully realized. We're not that far away from that. You're starting to hear people at the elite level use terms like the the global reset. Have you heard that phrase lately? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're talking about a, yeah. a global reset or the new normal, right? The new economy. All these different things you're hearing. When you begin to piece together, listen and pay attention to what they're telling you because they're telling you what they're going to do to you, what they want right. to do to you. Mm-hmm. And, and, and and you might hear a little bit here, a little bit there. And if you're not discerning and you and you don't hear the voice of your beloved, you're not going to understand. If you don't know the word, you're you're going to be completely lost. And it, it it's it's going to be like a snare. The Lord said it comes upon the whole world. Let me ask you something: On December thirty first, twenty nineteen, when you woke up into January first, twenty twenty. Could you have anticipated where we are six months later? It's like overnight. Right. <laughs> what, right? It's it has come upon the planet. Let me tell you something. Like we said a few pot you remember a few podcasts ago when we said, Hey man, they're taking their shot right now. Didn't we say that? They're 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 taking their shot. They will never have another opportunity like they have right now to to to, to do what they want to do and what they've been being moved to do by satanic power all over the world. This is that, what they're that's, doing. That's that's what we said that was what was contained in that letter that uh, Archbishop Vigano warned President Trump about. That these men in the shadows, the, the deep state, deep church, and, and there is a such thing. You know, I mean, just just go read the book of Ezekiel. Uh, you want to talk about a deep church? Look what they were doing inside the temple. The wickedness that that the Lord yes. revealed to him. In the yes. temple. <laughs> In the temple. Yes. Now, this is Bible we're talking about. We're not just making stuff up here. The Bible tells us about these things, that they happen, they go on. You know, we, we I mean, you preached a message some time ago, you know, on, on, uh, uh, on Daniel where Nebuchadnezzar gathered you know, privately all the rulers and kings of, of his empire to, to tell them what he was about to do concerning this image. Yes. The elite. I mean, yeah, the elite. Of yeah, his before they, and before they revealed it to the people, right? Correct. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. Yes. So, so yeah, that's absolutely. what we see, brother, then. What, what we're being taught here by the Spirit of the Lord is that the bride will begin to hear his voice. And that the message that that will that she will begin to preach in the face of of the system, and she's going to go down swinging, so to speak, because what begins to be revealed here in the next several verses is, and what she's revealing is that he's going to come, he's going to destroy the system, but then she begins to describe his appearance and his movements. We begin to get behind-the-scenes look, we begin to to have the veil lifted as she begins to see him beyond the wall. She sees him standing behind the wall. She sees him looking through the windows, and then she sees him showing himself 
tomorrow we're going to pick it up from here. I, I can't rush through this. Because what the Lord is about to reveal to us, I'm telling you, what the Lord is about to reveal to us is something so beautiful and so extraordinary that I that I literally cannot rush through this because what she begins to say and all the implications of what's being revealed is is both encouraging to his true bride and yet frightening to those who who will not listen. But we choose to listen to the to the encouraging part because really, man, it's like even so, come quickly, Lord, because this is going to get rough. Like we said, we're not trying to scare you; we're trying to plead with you that these events are are already well underway you are not going to wake up tomorrow and everything's going to be just like it was on december 31st 2019 <laughs> you know it ain't going to happen no more you got to understand that i have to understand that i know what i'm talking about i do and i i, I don't care i hope i'm wrong but i know i'm not because the bible has revealed these things and is revealing them to us now and so we don't need to walk in fear it's quite the opposite. Remember when the spirit came, she was in, char- in, in she charged the daughters of Jerusalem. She's full of the spirit. You yeah. know, you you're, you are you have been anointed and called of God. This is the most glorious time for the church in its history since the first century, the true church. Yes. And how and how cool is it that we've been given a a, a heavenly top secret. Uh, above Q level <laughs> of, uh, intelligence <laughs> briefing called the Song of Solomon, man. I mean, this is this is good stuff, right? I mean, this is Hallelujah. microfilm smuggled in from heaven. This is, you know, this is, you know, <laughs> this is all that stuff put together. We're, this is great stuff that, that, that the Lord is showing us because because we're going to look in tomorrow. She begins to describe who he is, right? She says what he's going to do, what he's on his way to do. He's going to destroy the system. And then she describes who he is. He's my beloved. He's like a roe. He's like a young heart. And, and and we're going to look into that in deeper tomorrow. But literally what she begins to do is is to announce what he's like. Now, she's seeing him. You know, he's been gone for 2,000 years, but now this bride is seeing him. And and the word row, like we said, it comes from the Hebrew word sabi. That's verse 9, sabi, a row, meaning to be mo- the most prominent, the most uh, glorious, the most honorable, full of splendor. So she says when he comes, that's what he's going to look like. <laughs> that's what you're going to see, she says. He's like a row, she says. He's most prominent. There is no one higher than Christ Jesus, our Lord. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Right? And, and then yeah. she, also reveals, she also reveals his state of mind uh, because the, the, the root word of sabi is sabah. And it literally means to, to swell, to be turred, and to array an army. So in this sense, what it literally means is, is the king, the Lord Jesus, he's now moved so deeply that his desire becomes twofold. He's coming to retrieve his bride, but he's also bringing his arrayed army to execute judgment. That's what she's saying when she says he's like a row. 
the Hebrew word literally means that. He's most prominent, full of glory and honor. And it's as if what she's describing is that within the king himself is a swelling rage and love at the same time. Love for his bride, rage for the system and for the evil that's existing on the planet. It's his state of mind that she's revealing. And and then she says he's also like a young heart. And and, and the word young is the word offer, which literally means, you know, a young heart or, or, or a doe or, or a male deer. But it also comes from the word afan or afar, meaning to pulverize and to grind into dust. <laughs> so... Wow. Uh, <laughs> what she's saying. That sounds like Daniel. That sounds like Daniel would one of yes. the images beast us. <laughs> no, that's he right. Pulverizes. That's what it says, right? I saw a stone cut out of the mountain without hands, right? And it hits the image on the feet, it grinds it to dust and the wind blows it all away, right? That's what yes. you're talking about. And and yes. so this is what she's revealing. She says he's like a roe, he's like a young heart. She's revealing his description how he appears just before he returns. Uh, and she's saying he's coming quickly with great force, like Brother Jeremy was pointing out. And and now she transitions and begins to describe his resemblance. Because he's not coming. Remember what the Bible says? He's not a lamb anymore. He's not coming like a lamb. He's coming like yeah. a lion. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> and he's coming soon. So we'll pick it up from here tomorrow. And I think you want to join us in our conclusion. We will conclude, Lord willing, tomorrow uh, 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 where she begins to describe what he does. Because what we're given, being given here is inside information. We'll talk about him standing behind the wall, him looking forth at at the window, and him showing himself through the lattice. And then he speaks to her and says, come away. My, 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 my. He's coming soon. Oh, he's coming to get us. <laughs> we're going to talk about... We're going to see something here that I know even my brothers will get excited about. <laughs> and that's saying a lot. That's saying a lot. I tell you what, they're about the deadest bunch I've ever had to teach. So anyway, no, I'm teasing. <laughs> I'm teasing, man. No, I learn more from them than they do from me, trust me. So we love you all and we encourage you uh to to, to review these podcasts and, and if you do and, and, and if you've been following that's great because we're gonna conclude tomorrow with some of the most beautiful, extraordinary, powerful things I frankly have ever seen in the word. Uh the way it's described, the way the spirit had Solomon pin it. Jesus is coming and uh and, and we love you, and, and, and we hope you've been blessed. Brother Jeremy, Brother Fernando, Jeremiah, anybody got closing words? Speak. <laughs> Hallelujah. No, I just, uh, oh, go ahead. No, no, go, no, ahead, go ahead, brother. Go ahead. I, I'll just add this. Um, as you were speaking, you know, towards the end, uh, you began to talk about how the, the bride hears the voice of her groom and she begins to make herself, prepare herself, and to get ready. And um, it, it took me back to what you said a few podcasts ago as well, about how when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, he was talking to him, and throughout all his life, it was the Father that had been drawing him to Jesus. And I really do believe that we're entering a time where 
the father is drawing those that are his. He's drawing his bride to him because what's coming, they need to prepare themselves now. And I believe to those who the Lord is calling out, even the listeners on this podcast, if you feel the Lord is strongly calling at you and tugging at your heart, that's the father giving you one last chance to come to him. And I just want to let you know that you need to answer that call now, because if you don't, what's coming isn't something that's going to be easy and that's going to be light. And I really do believe that the father is drawing his bride back to himself, as we've been talking about. And now is the time to be ready. And now is the time to answer that call. You know, and I just wanted to let the listener know that it's the father that's drawing you closer to him. There's a reason why you stumbled upon this podcast today. And there's a reason why you've been listening it's because the father's been drawing you to him and he's giving you mercy and grace one last time so that you can prepare yourself for what's coming in i, I just wanted to add that in there praise god amen, amen. Oh, praise god. god it's so beautiful uh the way i see it in the spirit is the way god is knitting us together with these bible studies um they're all knitted together all these podcasts and series that we've been we've been doing and it's just so beautiful uh, what's coming forth prophetically from the Song of Solomon. Did you ever think that God could speak prophetically through poetry <laughs> and speak <laughs> about judgment and speak about, you know, what's coming, you know? But this is what the Lord is showing us. So uh, we pray that you've been blessed. And, uh, and I believe the Holy Spirit is having us really take our time breaking down every every word in scripture and enlightening us with with his word to see what he's saying so we we give god all the glory for that and so we pray that you are being blessed and, and we pray that you will join us tomorrow on friday the last day of the week and i know god has even more for us if he can believe it because see the word is inexhaustible hallelujah <laughs> even when we Amen. get to heaven we'll We'll find out that not even the half has been told. Hallelujah. But Great. that's what God is wanting to do is sanctify his name and reveal himself to those that are looking for him. May God bless you. May God keep you and keep looking up.